but praise Jesus. Tonight, I have named this Open Book Test. Open Book Test. And I'm going to explain that in just a minute. But let's go ahead and open up in prayer, shall we? All right. Papa, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak into your people, Lord. Um, Father, I just pray that the message you gave me, that you will anoint that, that you will help me to present it the way that, that it needs to be presented. Anoint the words of my mouth and anoint the ears of the hearers. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, everybody here is aware that we have a Bible school. And, and we've been doing that for about three years. <clears throat> uh, ambassadors, y'all all know about that. And in ambassadors school, they go through their classes and then they have a test, right? They have a test at the end of the month. But we give them an open book test. And what that means is that if they do not know the answers, they, they take their quiz and they, they find something in there, they're allowed to go back and look at their notes and get their book out and read it and, and find it. And we do that for a purpose. We do that for a reason. It's not by mistake we did that. Amen. Because the point of school is not to trick people or to keep them from knowing the answers. Yeah. The point of it is that we do hope, we do hope that if they don't know, they'll go and look for it. Why? Because we actually think that's something that they really need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Because we actually hope that by the, the very fact that they had to go and search for it, they'll remember it. Amen? So, you know, when pastor makes up a test or Pastor Lisa makes up a test or I make up a test, our whole goal is, hey, this is information that will be helpful. Amen? Listen, do you know that all of our life is a test? There's tests everywhere. I mean, if you have been alive for more than a few minutes, you're aware of that, right? <laughs> you're aware that you do face tests and trials and, and, and situations. Is this true? Amen. Well, I got good news. It's an open book test. Yes, it is. Amen. It's an open book test. Now let's look at John 16.33. Let's turn there real quick with me. Oh, I better hurry. All right, let's keep going. <clears throat> All right, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This, this message was kind of spurred out of somebody. There's somebody who has asked me this question a couple of times. Not once, but a couple of times. You know, Teresa, we're Christians and Jesus came to set us free, and we have all this power and all this stuff. Why do we have trials and tribulations and tests? I mean, what's going on? Why do we even need that? What's that all about? And so tonight, I'm going to endeavor that, uh, to, to answer that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why. And, of course, there could be more reasons. And then I'm going to talk about some things, what's happening when we're in the test and the trial. Amen? Amen? Okay? So... What is the first reason? Let's look at 1 Peter 5.8. Go over to 1 Peter. Actually, you know, I'm going to cheat like I always do. <laughs> be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a, young, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
Okay, so the first reason that we even have a test or a trial in the earth is because, listen, the enemy is still here. You understand that? Yes, Jesus defeated him. He defeated him in hell. That's, that's true. But listen, the, he's still here on the earth, and he, the, the people that don't uh, know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, well, he's still got reign and rule over them, okay? And he's still here causing trouble, and he's working through people. So one reason that we face test and trial is because, well, we're not home yet. Yes. We're not home yet. We're here, right? Okay? And the devil is still here. Now let's look at Galatians 6. Just cheat. It's easier. <laughs> Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Okay, so now listen. Sometimes, sometimes, just once in a while, <laughs> we're facing troubles and trials and tribulations for something that we've sowed. There's a lot of things that come into our life. There's a lot of troubles and tribulations that happen that are a natural consequence of whatever that we've done. Right. Now, listen to me. Listen. You can be forgiven and still be suffering yes. a consequence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what do I mean? Well, listen. If you go out and you rob the, the local Jiffy store, okay, and the cops get you, they're going to take you to prison. Now, you can sit in prison and say, Lord, I, I repent of that. And guess what? You are forgiven, and it is under the blood, but you are still in prison. Yeah. Right? And so you are dealing with a consequence of something that you sowed. That's true. Okay? Uh, you know, that, that's just one of the reasons that we can be suffering. It's one of the reasons that we can, we can have a problem. Let's look at Hosea 4.6. It says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. Okay, now that's Old Testament. But the principle that he's telling you there is still true. People die, they're destroyed, their lives become a mess because they lack knowledge. Lack knowledge of what? The word. They lack knowledge of the, the answers to the problems that they face. Amen? Ignorance, listen, ignorance can cost you your life. It's very costly. It allows the devil to come in and kill, steal, and destroy and do what he does, okay? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. God really, really wants you to have the answers. He gave you a whole book of answers. It's an open book. He says, please, please come on over here and open the book. He longs for you to do good. He does. You know, I, I, I'm the dean of this college. I could, I, this makes sense to me because I'm not your mama's or your sister or your aunt or your anything. But when you're a student in our, our school and I'm, I'm looking at your grades and I'm grading your, you know, I really want you to do good. Amen. And I really do hate it if you don't. It really bothers me. I really want to go pull you aside and say, what happened here? Let's work on it. Let me ask you some questions. Retake it. Get your notes out. I mean, I want to push you to do good. I just do. Now, if I, in the natural, want that for people who are just, you're my Christian family, okay, but you're not my children or my aunt or something like this, can you imagine how much God wants us to do good? I mean, can you really imagine that? I mean, he, he, he really wants that for us. It, it really is. Now, don't get mad, but it's the truth. It really is our fault. 
the majority of the time when we're struggling. Because we're just lazy and won't get in there and fight and stand. Amen? Now, there's the very fact that you're a Christian and you are still here on this earth, you're going to have trouble. Just by the virtue of you being a Christian and being here on the earth, there will be trouble. How do I know that? Let's look at 1 Peter 4. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> do you see that? As though some strange thing happened to you. Did I have some more verses that went with that? Yeah, okay. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. <laughs> Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Amen. And so we find out that just by the very fact that we're Christians, we're going to partake of the suffering of Christ. Right? We're, 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 going, to, we're going to face these troubles. Okay? But now let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Now, we already talked about you, there are things you're going to reap because you sowed it. And he's telling you right here, don't let yourself be having to suffer because of that. In other words, sow good things, okay? But, but listen, it's so natural sometimes for us when we get into these wars to forget that because we're Christians and we are fighting as a Christian, our weapons are not carnal. They're not carnal, right? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. And I'm going to move right along so we can get through this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Amen. Right? Okay. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. Now let's look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. What is my weapon? What is my weapon? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand... Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, all right, Amen. having put on the breastplate of righteousness, Amen. and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, oh, and here it is, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen? Amen. All right. So we, we found out that our weapons are not carnal. Okay? We know that. And our weapon is this word of God. We've already established that trouble's going to happen. Might as well just go ahead and know that. That's what's going to happen. It, it, it's here in the earth. Okay? But now we see here that the word 
That's your only, only offensive weapon. Yes, it is. You see that? Yes. But here's what's interesting. You know all those other, all those other weapons? They all come back to the word too because Jesus is the word. And so this is both your, your defense, your, your offense. This is it. This is your weapon right here. This is what we fight our wars with. This is what we turn to when we have trouble. This is where the answer's at. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. Amen. Now, listen, sometimes, sometimes the battle is even in your own soul and your own spirit. So what's the answer to that? Let's look. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So listen, maybe the battle isn't with somebody else. Maybe it's not even with the enemy. Maybe the battle's right there in your own mind. Maybe it's right there in your own soul. We're so quick, though, to want to run out to the world and to the psychologist and to the, you know, the help forums and the blah, blah, whatever it is, okay? Listen, this, this is the discerner of the soul and the spirit. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Now, I'm not against you getting help because, I, I mean, I even do that here in the church. I, I'm for counseling and stuff, good godly counseling. I, that's not what I'm talking about. But here's the problem. A lot of people want to go and get psychologists and all this kind of stuff. What's wrong with that? Well, I'll tell you. What they do is they look at your, out, they look at your behaviors, your outward behaviors, and then they try to formulate a, you know, a, a cure, a regimen, a protocol, according to whatever they can see outward, whatever they can see outward. This... This works from the inside out. Amen. And that's a, real, that's a real change. See, when I'm working from the outside in, what I'm hoping to do is mitigate some of the behaviors. And, and it rarely ever lasts forever. Why? Because there's no heart change. There's no heart change. Right? And so we see here that even, even for my soul and for my spirit, it's an open book test, my friends. It's right here. This is what, this is what it is. Okay, so now we know this. We, we've, we've established it. And so how do we wield this weapon? That's our next question. How am I going to wield this weapon? Now, everybody in here ought to know the answer to this, but we're going to hit on it because I'm taking you somewhere that I really want to go here in just a minute, okay? So let's look at 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed, and therefore I what? I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. Amen. Now, everybody goes to this church. Don't tell me you don't know. Don't tell me you don't know. And if you're new here, you're forgiven for not knowing, but after tonight, you'll know. All right, amen. Okay, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have what? Confessed, confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. How did you even get saved? You spoke, that's right. You confessed it. Listen, the all of your word, this is your this is your this is it right here. This is your this is your weapon. And how do you use it? You you put it in your mouth. 
You put it in your mouth. You wield it like a sword. Now listen, that is so simple. And yet we just flat don't do it. We, we, people just don't do it. You say, okay, well, what verse are you, you know, what verse are you? Oh, I don't know. Just, um, I'm just believing. Okay, but you're, but, but, but you're believing what? Like yeah. what, yeah. what's your foundation? What are you going to? Yeah. Well, I, you know, pastor said that the Bible says that by his stripes I'm healed. Okay, well, well, are you saying that? Where is that? Do you know where that's at? Um, no, but I've heard him say it. Okay, well, dear, 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 please. <laughs> Come on, do you want, listen, it's so simple. It's super simple. Would you rather walk around and die of disease than to simply open up the Bible and do what God told you to do? We are such a silly bunch of people sometimes. We really are. I, I'm sorry, but I have to say it. We are just silly, and I include myself in it. I can be downright silly sometimes too. We're, we, we just, we're silly. <laughs> okay? Let's look at, uh, let's look at Joshua 1.8. Now we know this. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For what? Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Amen? You will have good success. Now, look, God has given us the name of Jesus, all right, which is the name above all names. He's given us the blood of Jesus, which has made us righteous. Amen? He's given us the Holy Spirit, who, who leads us into all truth. Okay? He's given us authority over the works of the enemy. He's given us ministering spirits to, to, to hearken to his word. He's given us his word, which represents all of the promises, right? And, 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 and it's the word that, that defeats the enemy and, and wins every battle. The word cannot fail. It cannot fail. For the word to fail, God would have to fail. Jesus would have to be a failure. Uh-oh. Can't happen. Can't happen. The word cannot fail. The word cannot fail. Okay? All right? And so, if all of this is true, and it's an open book test, and it is true, it is true, then it leads us to the question, and this was the second part of the question and the part I really want to get to tonight. Why, Teresa, though? I've been doing that. I've heard that. I've stood on the word. I've prayed. I've praised. I've done everything I know. I've been praying and praying. I've been quoting and quoting. When, God, when? I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. What, what is going on here? <clears throat> What's happening? Why is it taking so long? How many of you have said that? Yeah, I have too. We've all said that. Why would God let us suffer? Why, why doesn't it happen immediately? This is your emergency broadcasting system. This has been a test of your faith. If it had been an actual emergency, Jesus would have returned. For further instructions, you may log in to your favorite Bible app. Amen. 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 <laughs> I apologize for the horrible noise. <laughs> but I had to get y'all's attention. <laughs> hey, did y'all go, what on earth is she doing? 
said, well, don't you think that when that thing comes on your TV? I do. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about it. Why does it seem to take so long? Now, some of you are not going to like this until I explain it, so just hang with me. <laughs> okay, let's look at Hebrews 5, 8 through 9. It says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience, we're talking about Jesus, by the things which he suffered. Mm, hold on now. Hold up. What you trying to tell me here, T? <laughs> Let's look at 640. Let's look at uh, Luke 640. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. All right. Let's look at James 1, 2 through 4. <laughs> My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Amen? Now i got to get over here to James for a minute. Was that my last verse? Yes. Let me get over here to James. Oh, Hebrews. All right. Now, part of the reason we don't like this is because of that word patience, right? Am I right about that? Amen. That you know why that is? Because we think of patience like this. We think patience is this, um, basically this passive, you know, um, acceptance of some situation or circumstance that we just have to endure and hope that we can get through it. <clears throat> but I got news for you. This word that was translated, it's interesting that they translated it patience. It, it kind of means more like endurance, but this is what it actually means in the biblical word. It says an independent, unyielding defiant perseverance in the face of aggressive misfortune and, to, and, and this leading to a kind of courageousness. Amen. You could say it like this. Intolerance of the work of the enemy to still kill or destroy that produces and builds in us a courageousness that says enough. Amen. Enough. See, what the Bible calls patience and what you call patience is two different things. Now, I got this joke that I say all the time. I say it in the office sometimes when I'm wanting something now. And they're like, be patient. And I'm like, well, the problem with being patient is it takes too long. <laughs> but that's not what the Bible is talking about. That's not what it's talking about here. Now, listen, a soldier... Is not a soldier until he goes through boot camp. He's just an enlistee. Yes. He, he, he's, he's an enlistee. But then he goes to boot camp, and what happens at boot camp? Well, now he gets a boot camp, and he has to learn how to use his weapons, right? Yes. And he has to learn how to obey without question. That's right. And he learns in there that anything that he does could affect his whole platoon. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Anything he does, the whole platoon could suffer for it. The drill sergeant makes sure of that. See, you think the drill sergeant's just being a jerk. What he's actually doing is he's training that young man so that when he gets out in the field, he does what he needs to do without question, and he's constantly aware that whatever he does is going to affect everybody else in the platoon. 
See, we have this silly notion in the body of Christ, well, when I sin, it only hurts me. No, sir. No, sir. Hurts everybody around you. Right? Okay. And so then when that soldier finally comes out of there, now he's a soldier, right? He's a soldier. He's gone through. He's done boot camp. But he's not a warrior because he's not a warrior until he goes to battle. Amen? He's a warrior when he goes to battle. So what is God doing when I'm sitting in the, in, in the mess and the weight and the, and, the, and the, you know, look, I don't know about God's goodness unless I have to test it. See, I, I don't, it's good enough for me to hear a pastor say, hey, you know, the, the devil's defeated, he's defeated and you have all this power and you, you can have what you say and, and, you know, you've got the power to heal people. And, and, but listen, that's just a nice philosophy. Until I'm in, the, I'm in there using it. Until I learn how to yeah. use it. Yeah. See, I don't become, I don't become a soldier or a warrior until I'm, I, I learn how to efficiently use my weapons. And God's good to us. I know this is hard to think of, but it's actually good when He puts you in the trials, because He knows He don't put you in them. But when you're in them, and He doesn't get you out of it right away, it, it's actually good sometimes. It's actually good. Why? Because he knows that a real battle's coming. He knows a real battle's coming where you're going to have to jump in and it's going to be full-on war. And you better know how to use the weapons that he gave you. You better know how to use the weapons that he gave you. So, does the waiting serve any purpose? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. He's given you everything you need to win the battle. Amen. It's an open book test. Amen. Amen. He's not keeping anybody from the answers. He's not keeping anybody from the answers. Now, unless you think I'm silly and making that up, let's talk about Paul for a minute. Do we remember that Paul had a spirit of infirmity? And it tells us it was a, it was a spirit that went around buffeting him everywhere that he would go. In other words, it was causing trouble. It was stirring up people. It was, you know, he would get stoned and beaten and, and things would happen and he would come up against opposition everywhere. And three times he went to God and he said, God, you know, remove this thing from me. And what was his answer? What was his answer? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. What was he saying? What was he saying? Was he saying, no, Paul, you just endure it and try to get through it? That ain't what he was saying. What was the grace? What did you get? What did you get with the salvation? See, the truth is, is that Paul had everything, everything he needed to defeat it. And what he was actually saying to Paul was Paul, I've already put everything in you. You stand up and take care of it. You're big enough to handle it. The power is within you. It came with your salvation. Amen. He's saying, hey, you've already got what you need. You've got what you need to pass it. And if you don't know what it is, it's an open book test. Amen. When you don't know the answer, there's an answer in here somewhere. Go look for it. Go look for it. Amen. Amen. It's an open book test. Okay? Now, listen, all of us. Well, well let's look at Galatians 6, 9 real quick. Let's look at that. It says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, 
for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we do not lose heart. Listen, all of us have had things that sometimes we've prayed and prayed and dealt with them for long periods of time. I have. Have y'all? There was a certain thing in our life that I, I felt like I just, it was years. I was just, I pray about this thing and I think, oh, we're doing good, and then all of a sudden it'd be right back to where, and I got so tired. I was frustrated with it, basically. I was just very frustrated with the whole thing, and I wasn't even praying. I was just thinking in my head, but you know, God has a neat way of intruding on our thoughts, (laughs) and so I was just there thinking in my head, you know, as I was going through getting dressed. I remember it very well. I was in the bathroom. I was fixing my hair, and I'm putting my makeup on, and I thought, and I was going through my prayers and my stuff, and I thought, I, I literally had this thought, I, you know what, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to say anything over that anymore. I'm not even going to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to let that go because apparently it's just a battle that's not going to be won. This is just going nowhere, and I'm not going to do anything else. I literally was thinking this. I will no longer speak to it, pray about it, nothing. I'm just going to accept it. Anybody done that? <laughs> well, Right there in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit intruded in my thoughts and said, really, if you knew that the next time you opened your mouth, the mountain would be moved, would you do it one more time? I was like, well, yes. (laughs) Could you find the energy to say it one more time? I could find the energy to say it one more time. Could I say one more prayer for somebody? Yeah, I, I, I could do one more. And God spoke very clearly to me. He said, the problem is that you want to look way down the road. He spoke to me real clear. You want to look way down the road and you paint, you paint this big picture of how big this is. He said, I told you just to look at the next time. Just the next time. See, when you're dealing with a problem, what we do is we build this big monument out of it. We, we try to look. The, the Bible tells us don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah. Don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah. You, you, you worry about today. You take care of today. Today is, and that's what the Holy Spirit was telling me. See, Teresa, you're looking down the road, and you're going, I've been dealing with this thing, and, I, and, then, and it's just going to go on and on, and blah, 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 blah. And he said, come back right here to today. What do you need to do to today for today? Yeah, that's good. What do you need to do? Today. Today. Amen? You'll win a lot of your battles. Listen, we won the battle. I won that battle. It didn't happen the next time I spoke because, you know, I know y'all are thinking it happened the very, that wasn't God's point. His point was, (laughs) would you do it one more time? Keep your eyes on just the next step. Stop trying to see down the road. Stop trying to do his job for him. Basically. Stop trying to do his job for him. Okay, now let's look at 1 Peter 5, 6 through 10. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, what? Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 
But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory, glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, that word suffered bothers us, but look at it like this. After you have endured for a little while. After you have stood for a little while. After you have stood for a little while. Amen? Listen to me, Christian. Listen to me. Don't you dare. Don't you dare lay down. Don't you do it. Don't you lay down and let the devil take your territory. Listen, Jesus died. He died to buy that for you. And don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give up. Do you hear me? No way. No way. You get up. You suit up. You stand up. You show up. You take your sword and you cut the devil's head off. You got it? Yes. Amen. You enlisted in the army of God. You may be in boot camp or you may be a seasoned warrior. I don't know which. But whichever it is, you've been called to do a job. And your success is not just your success. It's your whole platoon's success. It's your whole platoon's success. It matters. It matters. It matters if we pass the test. It matters. Amen? It matters. All right. Listen. He who called you is faithful. Is he faithful? Is he faithful? Amen. He's faithful, right? We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, right? Thanks be unto God who always causes us, always causes us to triumph through Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Now, I hurried so much that I got through it. And, and we're done, and it's early. And I don't know how that happened, <laughs> except I didn't spend no time messing about. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I hope that tonight, I, I know this started out probably sounding like this wasn't going to be a very positive message. <laughs> but the truth is, is it is a positive message. Actually, God is cheering you on. And I feel like when he gave me this message, it was actually me coming here to cheer you on. To say to you, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know, but God knows. And you can do it. And don't you give up. You may have felt like, I can't do it one more day. I can't do it one more time. I can't handle it one more minute. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And if you don't know what to do, it's an open book test. It's an open book test. Get your word out. Amen. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak to everybody tonight. I pray, Lord, that they go out of here encouraged this evening. And I thank you and I give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I am going to give you a quick story. Want a quick story? Something that happened in my life. When I was 16... Uh, 15, 16 area, somewhere in that, 15, I guess, I played basketball. And I, I, I was good at it, but I, I was on the JV, and I was so good that they bumped me up to varsity. I loved my JV coach, Coach Harmon. I can remember his name. 
and they bumped me up to Coach Godfrey. I can remember his name. A good coach, a bad coach. <laughs> and uh, th th I mean, this guy was psychotic. I mean, I mean, he really was. And he was the psychology teacher in my high school, and he was just a psycho mess. But um, he was the varsity coach, and and Coach Harmon, my JV coach, would always use encouragement. I mean, he'd get on us a little bit, but he'd always encourage us. And so I love to run for him, to work for him, you know, positive works. But then the other guy, no, he'd call us brute beast. And he, the girls, we're a girls team. So he's like, y'all are beast. Get out on that court, run, kill. I mean, he was just, he was just, he was a mess. So I'm like, I will never go to your class. Whatever you're teaching has messed you up. So I knew that at 15 years of age. But he said something. There's a power of words. Here's the power of words. He looked at all of us one day, all of us, and said, you girls are a bunch of fat, lazy, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I took that to heart. Now, I learned later he wasn't specifically talking to me. There were some fat girls on the team. And I wasn't one of them, but I took it to heart. I took it to heart. And so, and so later on down the road, he said, in the hall, he said, you're such a beautiful 10. And I'm like, you just called me a fat, lazy beast two weeks ago. What is wrong with you? But I took it to heart and I allowed those words to devastate me. And I started throwing up. I started not, I started getting anorexic. Is it bulimic or it's a bulimic when you eat the food and then you throw it up. Anorexic, you don't eat it all. So I, I started I didn't know what that was. I didn't even know what the word was, but I, I saw myself as fat. I'm fat, and I need to lose weight so I can be better on the team. And so I can get his, not really his approval, but that I can be what I need to be. And I took those words, and it started this, this long chain of events that really um, jeopardized my health. And so moving forward, you know, it just kept happening. And you know, when, when that happens to you, you start, you start a little bit of dying. A little bit of dying goes on when you do that and you continue it. And um, things happened in my body that totally shut down and stopped. So fast forward, I went on a mission trip. And my husband was there, but he wasn't my husband. He was the pastor of the youth group. And he, he saw or knew, he knew that I had been struggling with that. And he knew that on that Guatemalan trip that I had thrown up after I ate a meal. He just knew it. He didn't see me do it. He, he just knew it by the Spirit of God. And he brought me out. We weren't dating or nothing. This was years ago. I was 16. He brought me out on the rooftop in Guatemala City. And he says, I know you threw up. And I know you've been struggling with that. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. I want you to take Mark 11:23 and 24. And he read it to me. And we got the Bible out, and he said, we're going to speak to this mountain, and then you're going to say, I will never throw up again the longest day I live. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am free. I didn't feel free. I wanted to throw up again. Everything in my flesh, you know, you had created this in you. And so the desire, the fear that I'm going to be this huge fat woman, it was all from the devil coming out of this man, but I allowed those words to penetrate me. And so I said with Daryl at the time, his name was Bubba George, 
Pastor Bubba. That was his name. I said, Pastor Bubba? His name was Bubba George when, when he was the youth pastor. And I said, okay, Bubba, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. I hate to throw up. I'll never throw up again. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. He says, the next time you throw up, don't let condemnation overshadow you. He said, just as you're throwing up, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm free. I am free. And I started doing that. And within one week or two, I was free. I was totally free. I I didn't understand everything about that verse, but I just did what he told me to do. I said, he must know what he's talking about because he has, I could see victories in his own life. And so I started saying, I am not bulimic, whatever I said, I am not, I will never throw up again. I, I call myself anorexic. So I'm not anorexic. I'm free. I will ne- I don't want to throw up. I don't have to throw up. I am not fat. And so I kept saying those things at first. I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it, but I would go in my mirror and say, I am free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And then one day as I was walking and my mirror was in my room, it's like the Lord turned me around and I looked in the mirror and it's like he said this through me. He said, what's coming out of my mouth? I said, I don't care if I grow to be 400 pounds. I would rather be 400 pounds and love God and be obedient and not hurt myself than be skinny and beautiful and whatever else is going on in my head. And when I said that, it all broke off of me. It all broke off of me. And so those words are fighting words. The word of God is a double-edged sword. You cut this way, you cut that way, you may not know everything you need to know. But don't let that be your excuse. I don't really understand that. You don't have to understand the Bible to do it. And that's where you need to get free. Well, I don't really understand how that works. I believe in my heart, say with my mouth, just do it. Because your head can be screwy, but your heart can, can agree with God. And in the middle of all that, my head was saying, you're ugly, you're fat, you'll never be free. And I said, I'm free. And within two weeks, I was 100% free because my mouth changed. I never verbally said those things out about that were negative. I just thought them. I knew better than to say them, but I just thought them. But I started saying the right thing, even though my head and my mind and my body felt totally different. But it wasn't long that my body and my mind started agreeing with my heart. And I was 100% free. So at 16 years of age and such and such a week, I never struggled with it again, ever, ever, ever. So take it, take it to heart. The little bit that you do know, use it. It will reap great results in your life. All right, everybody say this. I am free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am free. I have already been delivered, come on, from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. When I resist the devil, he flees from me. He is fleeing from me. I see it. I know it. The word of God is true. When I say go, 
He goes. And I expect the positive manifestation of whatever I'm believing for to follow suit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.